can't imagine what the podcast would really be like if that person was actually on it. CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source of Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, April the 28th. It's hard to believe that April is on its way out, um, and, and because of how crazy June is going to be, um, given you know official visits and all that fun stuff, um, it, feels like, uh, it feels like it's going to be a, a quick summer. Um, but before we get uh, to any of that, we have to we have to fight through the, the month of May, and uh, which starts with Saturday's spring game, which we'll talk a little bit about. We, we, we'll, we'll touch on a, a bunch of random stuff, I'm sure, tonight. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. What's going on, my friend? Not much, man. I mean, we're at that point of the year where it gets hard to come up with, you know, um, smart little things to say, <laughs> apparently. But no, it it is the start of a high school baseball and softball season here in Virginia. So exciting for me. Things will start to slow down at the store and I can maybe spend a few hours away from there over the next several weeks. So who days on the board at who days on Twitter and up in loud and staff writer, Justin Ferber is also at, on the program. What's going on, my dude? Yeah, let's make this quick. I got to get back to my um, MLB, the show franchise um, that I got going. Dave knows what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. I, that, that's a joke <laughs> completely lost over me. Yeah, add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right, I wrote a thing the other day, three questions facing uh, Virginia going into the spring game. And I, I think that, that this is one of the, I don't want to call it like the, the least interesting springs because, you know, we haven't been able to see them play. Uh, we've only talked to people. We obviously know about the injury to Lavelle Davis and to Chico Bennett. And so, you know, we haven't seen all of that stuff. And we talked a good amount about things last week. But I'm just curious, um, not necessarily like what questions you guys have going into this weekend. But I'm just curious, like, is there anything you are hoping that like by Sunday you quote unquote know? Like, is there anything that you're looking for? Uh, on Saturday, I don't know. I know Ferber. You said you weren't going to come down, Dave. I don't know if I'm guessing you're working, but um, yeah. In, working. in general, like, are there? If Dave, we'll start with you. Anything in general that you you really hope coming out of this thing to know about or to see or whatever? Do you have anything about spring game? I got to see exactly how good Mr. Woods is, right? Like, my guy. <laughs> you're I just want to see if he's your guy in the making. You know, if, <laughs> if he's top ten draft pick material. Um, no, I mean. Look, it'll be interesting to me just to see how many times they actually hand the ball off to a running back. That's probably the number one thing I'm looking for in the game Saturday. Um, won't be able to be there, but just hearing. If if they run the entire spring scrimmage and there's like five running back handoffs, I'm going to start to shift my expectations where the offense is going to look like. Um, defensively, like obviously seeing if they're going to actually show 
a change in in scheme um or whether they disguise that by playing a lot of you know don coverages or you know or just go back to the three four for the practice we'll, we'll see um other than that just you know kind of seeing where everyone is physically because you know if you think about last season they got to play obviously but they didn't have a normal lifting you know they didn't they didn't have the normal lifting cycles and all that stuff going into it and if you go back and look at games from last year like compared to what you're seeing in pictures from the spring like you can see the physical differences in the guys um and, and i think i'm kind of curious to see what the team looks like outside of the pictures we've seen what about you for what do you think yeah i mean i think dave hit on some things that i was just thinking i mean obviously with lavelle davis out you know like what does the wide receiver group look like? Um, obviously, in, in a spring game, I don't expect them to like you know go for it in terms of you know you're not going to see the full offense and um, obviously like they're going to protect Brennan Armstrong. He's not going to be running around like he normally would. Um, but like, what is Keaton Thompson doing? Like, is he? Are they using him in like a slash role? Well, I don't mean that as like what, what the really hell is he doing like, out what's, there? What's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's like the the Vince Lombardi clip that they always yeah. use. Yeah. Um, what the hell's going on out yeah, there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I think I just meant like, is he going to be used more as like a traditional wide receiver, or are they going to keep giving him the ball in unique ways? Um, Dave mentioned handoffs to the running back. I would assume that you're going to see some in this game because, like I said, there won't be. I can't imagine Brendan Armstrong is going to run around and you know he's not going to take hits and stuff. Um, you know, like what is that? Like, how are the carries distributed? You know, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, also, what does it look like? Because it's been a few years since we've seen it. Um, like a running back carry the ball. Um, you know, like the reason I'm interested in that is because, you know, like last year it was, there was some talk about like, oh, you know, we don't, it's going to be running back by committee and we don't really know. And then even the year before that, same thing. And Wayne, you know, really got a lot of the work in both of those seasons. And, um, to be honest with you, I'd like to see them sort of mix it up a little bit more because I think, you know, like we talked about last week, he's really good around the goal line, but the results are kind of mixed everywhere else. And obviously he's a pretty good blocker, knows the offense. So I don't think he should see like a diminished role altogether, but I would like to see maybe, you know, the carries sort of get distributed a little bit more evenly. And then on defense, like what does the formation look like? And then who, you know, how the linebacker situation shakes out with, you know, some personnel changes there with guys leaving and, um, you know, it sounds like we have a pretty good idea of like what's going to happen there, but then also, you know, it doesn't get talked about a lot and maybe we'll see it in the spring game. Maybe we won't, I don't know. Um, you know, like special teams, you're replacing a, a multi-year starter at kicker. Uh, so like, what does that look like? Is Justin Dunkel able to come in and just knock down field goals? Like, um, or, you know, you take for granted having like a decent kicker for a few years, you know, it's not, we're not too far removed from UVA really struggling to have a kicker at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they are in, in that regard as well. And then obviously we've heard some things about the return game. Um, I, again, it's hard to say because we don't really know what, what the format is. If they're, if they're going to come out and play a live game or if it's going to be sort of like a scenario-driven game, which has been more in vogue for a lot of college teams over the last 10 years in the spring games. Um, all right. One, I asked, I asked for one thing. And you gave me like a complete breakdown on both sides of the ball and special teams. Mm-hmm. Special teams was actually the place I was going. And um, I guess that's a good place to put them in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so long, everybody. Ten minutes in. Um, but no. Um, yeah, the format's interesting, right? Um, 
because it's referred to like in the media advisory we got. It said UVA spring game media advisory. And then it said media who wish to attend Saturday's final UVA spring football practice. So which is it? Is it a practice or is it a game? Right? Um, yeah, I mean, I remember the first year that they had one. I mean, he he was Bronco was pretty open about it's not going to be a game. Yeah, you know? and yeah we yeah. went they there just and have... it was just, it was a practice and they had some eleven on eleven stuff in there, but it was it was just yeah. a regular practice. Yeah, the, the not... crowd gave him like a standing ovation for the stretch lines. Up. Yeah, I know because <laughs> they yeah, looked so organized. Thing. It was a thing. Um, the the other thing is that like they just didn't have enough offensive linemen back then to even think about trying to have enough. You know have two full teams i think they could do that if they want to i'm guessing they'll go good on good and um you know we'll, we'll get something like that um, it wouldn't have even mattered that first year anyway because banker no, wasn't there yet so like, um, it, it wouldn't have been what we were going to see but then on the special teams that was kind of where i was going right so you've got you got dunkel you've got hunter pearson um you you know you you, you remember you know delaney but you know it's not like um, you know. It's not like the punting game is not. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a there are question marks in a lot of different ways on special teams, and frankly, I mean I don't want to be that guy, but special teams kind of struggled at times last year, right? And we talked about that throughout the year that it just didn't look right. Um, now that could be just as much a function of COVID practicing, right, or quote unquote practicing as anything else. So I'm really curious to see um, how all that sort of shakes out. I'm also, yeah. you know, aside from just format and that, I'm also really curious. Um, you know, I don't think we have said much about, I mean, I mentioned this in the beginning of spring, but who's the backup quarterback? Like, do they think that Keaton can be that guy? If, if something were to happen to Brennan, would it be Armstead? Do they think Rodriguez is ready uh, to go? I'm, I would love to see a little bit of him uh, at some point in there, um, actually throwing the ball, actually, you know, running the offense a little bit. But for me, it's also like th- because UVA's, you know, a lot of these storylines are, are sort of complete, or at least you know all the major players. There's not a whole lot of uncertainty. Um, who's who's the backup quarterback, I think, is one that, that might linger for a little while. What were you going to say, Dave? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just on that special team thing, you know, last year, Brumfield obviously was doing more than just being the defensive coordinator. I mean, the secondary. Uh, special teams coach coordinator, you know, he picked up tight ends last year, and now he's doing – he's working with the secondary, so um, – and, you know, it's, it sounds like even though Virginia football hasn't released anything official, you know, it appears that TK's time with the team may be over. You know, he's running track and field now. Um, so, like, you're going to have some different returners um, and obviously different kickers. So, yeah, that will be interesting. But um, And just the dynamics of the secondary itself, like, you know, if there's one thing on the defense, it's just – I mean, that's – to me, like, that's the question. Obviously, the kicker and the punter are important. Special teams are – a big part of the game, but uh, if you look at this Virginia team on paper, it's one of the most complete teams they've had going into a spring game at the entire Bronco era. Um, but the one question mark is, can the secondary improve enough to to let the offense kind of, you know, to keep the games kind of decent scoring? Because I think the offense is going to score more than we've seen, even without Lavelle. Yeah, uh, would be an interesting uh, and a good problem to have. Um, so I want to also transition to, um, some of the rule changes that we've heard about recently. Um, it just seems like podcast fodder. Um, what do we think of the overtime rule change? Um, just to recap for people. So instead of being able to essentially, um, kind of keep going they're they're essentially trying to end the game faster. And instead of, 
having more possessions, you're essentially going to get like a um, like a play 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 here or like play a two there. Two point conversion. Yeah, everything's a two point conversion. And, well, in and, the second overtime, you have to go for two now, I believe. Right. Um, it used yeah. to be the the third, third or fourth right, overtime. Third. Yeah, and, and then they started doing that two point thing in like the fifth overtime. And yeah, like and they moved it up. It up. To yeah, the third. Right. So it's just it's just I don't know. What do we think? I I personally I would rather like. I don't know. I've always thought like, let's just do it. Let's just go really weird and say like, all right, you're going to get like almost like uh, penalty kicks. Right. I would like, I would like each team to get like three chances from the two and see how many people, how many, how many, you know, scores each team has. I think that would be fun. Um, you know, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what it'll end up being. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you just got to keep, you know, if you get the ball second, you just got to, and the other team scores, you just got to keep that up. But it, I yeah, do like what you're saying, though, because like instead of like if the team converts the first and you don't, it's over. This would be like best out of three or something. Yeah. Football like, has never figured out a good way to do overtime other than just play extra minutes. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I think that the people complain a lot about the NFL rule. And I don't think the NFL way is perfect, but I would probably rather have it just be like another quarter of the game yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like this arbitrary sort of yeah, get the ball in the 20 and, you know, like I guess it works for college because college kickers aren't that good and it's not like automatic points if you're inside the 20, but, you know. Um, some of these games, dra- I think the part the reason they're changing it is safety. Like you know, oh, yeah, you reach a certain going, going, you reach going. a certain point, and the game becomes like okay, like this, we need to wrap this up. <laughs> you know, I just I keep thinking about that Tech UNC game from a few years ago that went to like seven overtimes or whatever. Um, you know, at some point it gets a little ridiculous, and honestly, I feel like for UVA we haven't had a ton of games go to overtime like that I can remember recently. I mean, there's obviously the one in Blacksburg a few years ago. Um. But they've been sort of rare, so UVA hasn't really had to deal with these situations very much. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, look, I don't like—I've never liked the overtime rules. I mean, honestly, if you—if it were up to me, I think I'd just go to one overtime period. You'd say, "Hey, if each team gets the ball at say the fifty-yard line, um, one possession, and then the other team gets one. If it's tied after that, it's a tie." Like, I mean, the the reason they brought the overtime rule into football was you know, because ties were affecting like national championship seeding and all that stuff. Well, that's really not a thing anymore. You know, you've got conference championship games. Um, I mean, to me, I'd rather a game in in a tie than we're deciding, you know, who converts four two point conversions versus the other team getting three, you know, I think, I think what's true to the game. I think American sports fans just struggle with the concept of ties. And really like, if you have any common sense, you can look at a result and be like, oh, the tie isn't like the worst thing you could, that can happen. Like, yeah. it's not as bad as losing. So, like, if Ohio State ties Iowa, people aren't going to look at that and be like, oh, they tied. That's weird. They're going to be like, oh, okay. Like, it went to overtime and, and it didn't tie. Like, yeah. So, I think soccer all the time. <laughs> yeah. But if you do the one overtime possession per team, the, you know, the second team will have an option whether they want to settle for a tie or go for the win. Um, to me, I think it's a little shorter to the game, but. Like if they're gonna keep the overtime rules where they are, I don't know if it's much, much of a change. Like to me, you might as well just start making them go for two the first overtime, um, and then just go to two point conversions only a couple, you know, the third or fourth overtime. But is what it is. Um, I mean, it'll gonna, affect a big game, and then they'll change it again. I'm gonna. Uh, what did, what did, how did you just refer to further that American sports fans have a problem? I hate ties. I think they're dumb. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't. I think people just struggle with it because it's so out of. Most sports don't have them. 
Well, it's not to me. It's not necessarily that most sports don't have them. It's that like, why do we play to win the game, right? Like to me, ties are, are you know, like if you had if you had a some sort of drama competition or something else, like okay, cool. But if 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 ties are allowed, why keep score? You know what I'm saying? Like, good job, everybody. That meant nothing. Um, I just think yeah, that but it's part of a larger season. So like, I mean, if you tie a game, it still counts as a result. It's like right, but you're, but you're but then one. all it does is muddy the water on on the results themselves, right? So think about it. If you got team, you know, three teams that all had a tie and they tie, and they tied other teams, well, how what do you do with that? The only yeah. thing that matters in in terms of trying to figure out who's best is who won and who lost, and. There are a million reasons why a team can lose a game that have nothing to do with that they were not the better team, right? Your play, you know, so and so got hurt at the wrong time, so and so blew a call, blah blah blah. blah. Um, but the result still stands, right? We don't, we, we you know, we we don't um, we don't give people points for, you know, we 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 might say, oh well, you know, that was also at the end of the you know beginning of the season they lost those two games when they didn't have you know player X or whatever. I just think that like just like with soccer where you you play one game for a while and if there's no whatever you go to play penalty kicks that's obviously a very different version of the same game um two point conversions are a play um even though a lot of people choose to to kick the field goal anyway or excuse me the PAT like it's it's an it's an actual play that that is run in the game um you know it's I would six, almost it's like to like, see it from like the 5 and then well, that, it's like okay, like you actually have to go do something. Like, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like at least at least if you do it from the five, you give the defense a little bit more, you know, room to work. Um, and and you give the you, you you sort of take that. Oh, you're just gonna plunge this in from the you know the two is, you know, a, a decent run. You know what I'm saying? And it it really depends. It's game by game. It's different. So like some games go to overtime, and you're like, this could never end because neither team can score. And the right. other yeah. one is like nobody Wake can Forest, stop Virginia anybody. <Yeah>. But you yeah, also so it, like when you know there's overtime. Yeah. yeah, when you know there's overtime, it changes your strategy the last five minutes. You know, you know, the end of a game. So, how many times have you watched a team just kind of run out the clock to get to overtime instead of, you know, if they really wanted to get a result, they could push forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get Brad's point too. It's just to me, like if the NFL can accept ties, and they do. Um, I don't understand why college football can't. Well, the like, thing is, too, like football ties in the NFL and in college, unless they make it like if you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dave or Brad. Um, I don't really remember when they were ties in college football, but I know that they happened. Yeah, many, many times. But it was because there was no overtime, right? Yeah, no overtime. Ended. Yep. Yeah, so like ties in the NFL are rare. Like they're really rare. And that's because scores are weird. Like in soccer, the reason that they have ties is because there's so few scores. So it's yeah. like everything's if, one. Right? A game that's one one shouldn't just be won by somebody a lot of times. It's like mm-hmm. the result is fair if it's a tie. But like, yeah, I mean in football, it's like there's weird scores, thirty seven to twenty eight. I mean, anytime Brad picks a game in our preseason predictions podcast, it's always weird numbers. Um and like that's why I think ties I, I would be okay with a tie being part of the rules because I don't think they would happen very often. Yeah. What what I actually another thing too I was just thinking about was that like imagine a scenario where there were no ties, right? And um or excuse me, there was no overtime, right? And it's just, you know, you you gotta go out there and you gotta do it. I, I think Dave's point about it does kind of change your strategy toward the end of the game. Um that being said, I would much rather see a team try to get in, in place for a field goal to then tie it up versus like, you know, chucking a Hail Mary. Um you know, and, and that, that doesn't really have a chance. Does that make sense? Like 
in, yeah. in essence, but like, they had it's that, they like, had that but, option though. You know, it, it would be like basketball, right? Like we play overtime in basketball, and a lot of times teams late in games they foul because they're just trying to, you know, whatever. Well, what if you just took that out of the game? What if all of a sudden you 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 know? And we've talked about like the Elam ending and all this stuff before, but I, I just think for football purposes, more football as long as it looks like football, right? You're not getting them out there and saying, all right, I want the quarterback to stand on the 30-yard line. Let's see how many times he can hit the upright straight, right? Like, it is still football. Um, And I I think maybe the five would be a fun idea, but football's really never kind of dialed in the the overtime aspect. The NFL, actually, to Ferber's point earlier, it's probably the best it's been. You know, like, hey, if you win the coin toss, you go down and score, you deserve to win the game. Uh, If you win the coin toss and you kick a field goal, the other team deserves to get a chance. I like that. For the reason I said earlier, I, I I don't have a problem with the NFL rule necessarily. Like I don't think it needs to be fixed. But if I could change it, I would probably say the team that gets scored on gets a possession no matter what. Um, yeah. But then make it so like they have to go for two or something. So you can't have like you can't have like another overtime. It's just over at that point. Yeah, um, but it's, I, I think but some games. I mean, you watch like these like Chiefs games where it's like forty five, forty two. It's like literally the game sometimes is just decided by the coin toss. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's tough. But, yeah, I mean, there's no there's no easy way to do it because, like, in basketball, there's so many possessions that somebody usually wins. And playing five more minutes isn't that different. Same with a lot of other sports. Football, it's like you can't just be like, all right, throw another quarter on there and be like – and it, because eventually the players are going to, like, really start to get injuries. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. And that's why soccer ends in a tie. I mean, they're running like miles. It's like at some point we just need to end the game. Yeah, like I agree. If you're going to do overtime, it's hard to justify doing like a whole other quarter of football. Yeah, I think that my my biggest complaint about just doing two point conversions isn't just that it's you know a rare play you see in football, but it is a football play, like Brad said. The problem is like penalties on that. I mean, it's just so an offensive penalty destroys you in a two-point yeah, conversion. You can just and the hold defense, on defense is kind of incentivized to, to, yeah. to have a penalty. So You might as well just tackle the guys in the end zone. Every yeah, time. so there needs to be some trade-off for that. But like, if that's what they're going to do, it's part of the rules. Just try not to get to overtime if you don't like it. Speaking Win them all by changes. 20. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I used to have that same philosophy when it came to teams, um, you know, getting upset because, um, you know, you are getting beat really bad. Uh, and the other team has its, you know, walk-ons in and they're playing hard. And I was always like, hey, you know what? Try to win the game, you know, like be better. Uh, speaking of rules, um, so the NCAA is apparently not going to let anybody keep transferring uh, and transferring and transferring. Um, so the way that this works, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, just in case, but the one-time transfer rule will go into effect for next season. But anybody who transferred this year is under that umbrella. And in fact, anybody who has transferred is under that umbrella and that is going to include grad transfers. So yes, if a player who went to school X decides to leave and this is the first time they've left, they can transfer and play right away. If that player has transferred previously, be that, um, you know, in the future or in this season when everybody was allowed to, um, then they would have to sit out a grad transfer would fall under the same purview where if, if you have, even if you have gotten your degree and you want to transfer, you still have to get a waiver in order to play right away. What do we think? Do, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of shocked that the grad transfer was, was kind of raked into this. I'm wondering if that was an uh, intentional thing or not. 
what do we think, Ferber? Do you do you like the rule change? Do you not like the rule change? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's sort of hard to keep up with it, to be honest. It is, really, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that allowing a one-time like free transfer is probably better than what teams or what players had had to do before. Um, obviously like the last few years have sort of muddied the waters and it's hard to remember a time not too long ago, a decade ago less where pretty much every single player that transferred had to sit out except for rare, rare instances where there's some special circumstances. Right. I mean, even you talk about the loan emergency podcast that this podcast has had, was because a player got a waiver and I don't want to make it seem like that was like a shock, but it was certainly not a foregone conclusion. Like it would have been if it happened now. Um, and you know, I think that allowing anyone to be able to go somewhere one time is better than not at all. And, um, I think it also sort of protects the sport from like unlimited player movement. Um, and, and all of that. And, and I guess grad transfers just sort of get lumped in with everybody else if they've already transferred. Um, you sort of have your one chance and then you kind of, you know, you have to settle in where you are. And I, I guess I get it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think there'll still be some guys that go places multiple times and I don't know how lenient they'll be with the, with the um, waivers and stuff. But uh, I, I certainly think that, I mean, what we saw this year, I think people, if people think this is what it's going to be like every year, it won't be this crazy. I don't think there's a lot of factors this year. Everybody was given a free transfer pandemic a lot of stuff going last year, you know, the season got canceled early. A lot of different things happened. So um, I think it won't be as crazy in the future, but I think with these new rules, you know, you're going to see more guys that like, Hey, you know, one year, two years, it doesn't work out. They're going to try to go somewhere else. What do you think, yeah. Dave? I mean, I, I was a little surprised to see him kind of throw this out end of April, essentially. Um, and they've had months to kind of say, Hey, Oh yeah, by the way, if you, you, you can't, this isn't a free transfer year if you've already transferred or whatever. Like that, the timing of it seemed seemed weird. Um, that said, like I, I think you had to do something because it's getting kind of outrageous. Um, and like I said, I think it was last week's podcast. Like at some point, <laughs> the adult in the room has to stand up and say, "Hey, you guys are making some dumb decisions. Take a minute and figure it out." Um, but yeah, I think you know, if anything, it just it proves that I man, next year, next off season. Like, I mean, to me, a, a first-time transfer is more valuable than a high school re- high school recruit, and that's going to change a lot in the recruiting world. Yeah, it definitely will. I mean, you know, Bronco even said the other week, right, like teams are going to, you know, essentially recruit exclusively out of the transfer portal because they know guys won't have to year to, 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 to have the chance to leave. Um, so the this year, the day for all athletes to notify their current schools that they intend to transfer July the 1st, that will turn into May the 1st for fall and winter athletes and July 1st for spring sport athletes in subsequent years. So at least there is some time frame. I mean, you, your point about it being, you know, late April, I mean, that's, that's well taken, but at least they do have until July the 1st. And now the, the, um, you know, the, the thing is out there kind of standard, which is good. Um, it, it, it's interesting though, that the grad transfer has always been sort of, chosen as or, or it's been kind of lauded as like the um the right way you know what i mean saying like oh you got your degree and now you're kind of free to go do what you want um and so the fact that they're included in it is actually really fascinating to me i'm actually curious if that will uh what the unintended consequences of that will be um because i can see a scenario where guys specifically 
keep their, I mean, maybe that's what they intended, right? Is for them to sort of keep their, that one transfer in their pocket um, for that, you know, potential situation. Um, you're still going to have dudes who, who go and, and, and sit out a year. Like that's going to happen, especially with the redshirt rule being what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at the numbers, I mean, Bronco was talking about this the other day, the number of dudes that were in the portal and think through like, you know, how many spots there must be. Um, what I found fascinating is that he says like, Hey, I don't think we have any scholarships left. And then literally like three days later or whatever it was, um, you know, Josh Hayes commits, um, you know, and, and like nothing just commit, but like the thing went through and they announced it. Like, so clearly that thing was in the hopper for a while. Sorry. Um, sorry, Brad. It's Hollywood Hayes. Sorry. Sorry. I, I mentioned, I did, I did, I did uh, refer to him that way uh, mm-hmm. in a story, at least yesterday. Right? Otherwise you can't find his Twitter account. <laughs> Lord knows we can't go without finding people's Twitter accounts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, it's 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 a very interesting sort of development. But until I agree with Bronco, until the NCAA comes through and says, OK, what are you going to do with the 85 scholarship limit? It's all, you know, it, it's all TBD, because next year, if teams can't, you know, if they don't know what they can do. You know, they don't they don't know what they're supposed to do with recruiting. They don't know what they're supposed to do with their rosters. Should they be, you know. Um, preparing to bring guys back. Um, you know, if a kid in, in a situation like um, a kid gets hurt and there, you know, and there's a chance, you know, later in the year he could come back. Well, if you know that kid could come back and, and he can use that extra year of eligibility, maybe you don't push him. Right. But if you know, this is his last season, he's played too much to, to have the medical red shirt. Maybe you'd, you know, like that's a, there, there are some situations and that I feel like the NCAA needs to come through with that information for teams fairly soon. Um, I understand they had to get the waiver situation sort of worked out, um, but man, they they need to they need to get teams this information because, um, especially when you get to June and how I many crazy like you're talking every yeah. weekend is going to be a massive official visit weekend for everybody. Like, how are you supposed to take dudes in 22 if you don't know what your roster is going to look like? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then plus, you know, your athletic department's got to figure out where they're going to get funding for extra scholarships if they are allowed to carry extras for a year. That's not free. Um, so, it, yeah, it, the whole thing, the whole thing is weird. Um, and it's ultimately going to put pressure on the non-revenue sports. You know, if they decide to say, hey, for two years, you can run 95 scholarships or whatever it is to kind of push this through. But I kind of get the sense the NCAA is going to say it's 85 and that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, that would be historically what they do. I mean, they're not the most uh, adaptive <laughs> progressive group, I guess. inside the box. Yeah. And I, I think what they should do is something where it's not necessarily like a huge increase from 85, but like teams can sort of apply to be above 85 and they can explain like why they're above 80, if that makes sense. Cause you don't want people like taking advantage of the situation, but at the same time, if UVA has legitimately, you know, with, with all the different things that have happened over the last two years, you know, they have 88 guys, they could say like, "Hey, we have 88 guys, and this is why we're at 88 guys." And then the NCAA can be like, "Okay, um, you can play with 88 guys." That's how it should work, but it probably won't. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty simple, right? They just say whatever number it is 90, 95, mm-hmm. and only X number of those can be players who did not enroll at your university out of high yeah. School. You can't just like, like grab it's pretty 20 simple. transfers, yeah. you know, or something. Yeah. yeah, if it's someone who came in as a freshman, like he doesn't count towards that number. It's so you get to scary what 30, 25 or 30 guys who didn't enroll as freshmen in high school. Like it seems pretty easy, which means it'll never get done. <laughs> you know what though? Like on the on the flip side of this, I'm like, dude, 
stop explaining stuff to the NCAA. Like, we don't need another process, right, where the, a team submits a request. Like, how about we just have some cut and dry rules, you know? Like, because the NCAA really sucks when it comes, well, in general. But in a lot of ways, especially, like, when it comes to, like, oh, here is the here is the form or the waiver or the such and such, and here are the parameters for it. And here's yeah, I mean, the thing look that, at the transfer rule. I mean, yes, like how many exactly. times did they? Have, I mean, obviously they weren't official until right. now, but like the reason every all this day happened, it's like, oh, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. <laughs> one of the many reasons that that this whole transfer situation happened is because dudes started getting waivers that they shouldn't have got. I mean, I think we all we all understand that that's what happened, right? If you came from major program X and you had a player who went to major program Y, that guy was going to get his waiver. It didn't matter how then, far away yeah, he was, was like, from his mama, he was going to get to play. And Especially if you had major lawyer B. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, we've, yeah. Seen situ- well, we've seen situations recently where guys haven't gotten waivers, and like there's like shock like that they mm. didn't get it. Not at UVA necessarily, but other places. Um, and it's like that's where we've gotten to, where it's like the waiver is just a formality. And I mean, if you want to argue that it just should be, and you know, that's fine. I'm not arguing against that. But um, yeah. like, I think I think a one-time free transfer rule is fine. Like, I, I'm okay yeah. with that. And, and, and if the one, and then you don't have to the, deal with all the red tape exactly. and like the surprises exactly. and exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that like, if the benefit of the one-time rule is that then you don't have to you know worry about all these hoops and whatnot. You know, like, hey, you get your free transfer. You know. Um, you should have waited. That's it. <laughs> you should have waited for that before you wanted to, you know, go play close to home, right? And um, then they should establish some very like hard and fast rules for guys that get to do it twice. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it should be like these are the five reasons, right? Like where it's like, oh, sick family, you know, whatever the reasons are. Now, uh, you could say like if they want to say like if your coach gets fired, you can transfer. Like that's that could be one. You know, I, I do. I I think that you you just cracked. You just hit on something I was literally going to say too. Is like. I actually think that this that 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 the one time rule should essentially take out all of the other stuff. Like it doesn't matter, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. It was your if you if you if you want to try to use something like you know for some you want to play closer to home or you know whatever, then you should have kept that one in your pocket, right? Yeah. But I think the at the same time would be like some sort of um, a coaching scandal. Change, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like or and, you and know I, like some some abuse scandal or something or like maybe you could say like if a team gets sanctioned. Like yes, players exactly. Don't have like I would like that. Which takes like eight years. I would like the NCAA so, yeah. to step in and say, um, you know what, the stuff that happened with coach, whatever, was unfortunate. These guys can transfer. You know, like I wish that they, like the NCAA should do stuff like that. That obviously the NCAA has not done and probably never will. Um, but I think that maybe maybe the idea of like coaching changes or whatever that that could be a hard and fast one, right? So like, yeah, if, I think it should. And if and if teams if te- maybe that would be something that would actually keep teams from you know firing dudes and having so exactly. much turmoil you know like if you realize that every dude on your on your team could transfer then maybe the guy who won who you know was only two games over five hundred instead of four right maybe maybe you don't part ways with him you know we can't they can't stop how much they pay but they can stop they can impact the number of kids that are kind of trapped to to play for this new guy um, whoever that might be. Um, I don't know, man. Is that a, I feel like that might be a good place to put him in. It. I put a pin in it. I mean, we're. I agree. There's not a whole. The lot, there's not weeks. a whole lot out there, you know. Um, we've we've been we've been running long um, the last few weeks. Um, we should we should note for for those who maybe didn't see it that that uh, erstwhile UVA target Henry Coleman. 
I don't I don't think he was that serious UVA target this time around. Uh, just he's feeling him. the palpable buzz. Yeah, the the palpable buzz heading down to Texas A and M. Um, it's interesting to me though because we talked just a few minutes ago, right, about like the number of guys and and spots and you know how many people you know how many guys are in the portal who are you know if you, you watch this thing, there are a lot of these dudes who are not that that are not taking steps across like or up. These a lot of these kids are taking steps down, especially on the football side. Um, so Coleman Landon in, in, in Texas A&M is, is really good for him. And I, you know, think it'll be an interesting fit and, um, wish him well. Culture change. <laughs> Definitely a culture change. That's for sure. Um, you know, to go from Duke to, uh, to Texas A&M. But, um, in general, I, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot more to that story, not the Coleman story, the transfer story for everybody to be told. But, um, just thought we'd mention that before we. Before we wrapped up, we'll come back next week and we'll have a, a good breakdown of the spring game uh, and kind of if we'll, we'll see if uh, those questions got answered and whatnot. Um, so if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that programs are sold, including apparently Apple Podcasts because they're going to start doing subscription stuff now. Uh, we should be there. And if we're not, let me know because I, I would like us to be. Uh, now, if you are somebody who has found the podcast but has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out, CavsCorner.com. Uh, right now, um, I had a get a you know a pretty decent uh, in-depth conversation with uh, Will Hardy, the three-star safety from Atlanta, talking about um, you know, committing to UVA, and he, he actually reached out specifically to Joey Blunt and to Nick Jackson about UVA and um, kind of talks about like why he, why he committed even as the dead period is about to finally come to an end and kids can take visits and whatnot. Um, so let's see, uh, you got Damon's been killing on the baseball front. You got some stories there. Uh, he had a really in-depth story on, um, on Brandon Neek. Um, who had a, I guess, um, reconstructive sh- surgery on his throwing sol- shoulder. Wow. Let's say that three times fast. Um, and is now just really kind of getting back in the groove. Uh, I mentioned that, th- that piece on the three questions going into the spring game. You can check that out. And then I uh, had a story on the offensive line, um, Tuje and Oluwatimi talking about basically like the time is now. Time is now. So um, give all that a look. So I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CazCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.